This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the 1912 Exiles podcast, the podcast that is made by Newport County fans for Newport County fans. I am Ed, and as trailed in the last few pods, here is our big end-of-season extravaganza. Uh, and to help take me through it, I am joined by the OG, Mr. Reese Warren. Hello, Reese. Hello. Our man on the, on the Northern Beat, Ian Street. Hello, Ian. Yep, yeah, hi, everyone. And last but by no means least... Uh, the man who doesn't yet have a nickname, Jamie Harris. <laughs> well, welcome to next year. Hello. Yeah, yeah. Um, so this may well end up being a slightly looser pod than usual. Uh, the season's over. I think we're going to stretch our legs and talk probably for a bit longer than we usually do. So this may end up spanning across two episodes rather than one. Um, and there'll certainly be a lot less editing than usual. And there may be a bit more swearing than usual if I can't be bothered to edit it out. So uh, with all of those warnings dropped into place, um, let's start off by talking about the season. Um, as you will all know, ultimately County finished in 11th place, which I think many of us felt was a disappointing end to the season. But we perhaps shouldn't forget that we had a poor start to the season as well. And maybe it was that middle third that was the outlier rather than how it all ended. Um, Reese, I think you sent a stat around uh, the WhatsApp group this morning saying that we spent 123 days in either the playoff or promotion positions, but 151 days of the season outside them. So I'll come to you first. How do you think we did overall? First of all, I can't take credit for that stat. That was Jamie. But um, I did look up, I did a little a little chart <laughs> earlier on the night in the WhatsApp group of our league position over time. And um, we, didn't, we didn't spend any time at all in the automatic places. We were always close to it, but we, we never actually were in the automatic spots. Um, so we didn't have a good start. We were pretty much bottom half until Flynn left. Um, he, we were 14th after 12 games when Flynn left. Um, and then we kind of bounced around in the top half somewhere, kind of around 8, 9, 10. 
Um, so when I worked it out, over the course of the season, our average position was 10th. And since Robry came in, our average position was 8th. So just outside the playoffs. So we probably finished about where we deserve to be, maybe slightly lower. But you could have thrown a blanket over those sides for most of the season. Between January and March, from 3rd to 11th, was separated by about six points. Yeah, I mean, um, apart from Forest Green and Exeter, that we we said we kept coming back to it throughout the season. And in fact, even uh, actually Exeter were in in that mix. There, you know, Forest Green were the early pace setters and never really wavered from that. But then there was not a lot in it from there downwards. Um, and yeah, I think in the in the final analysis, we we probably ended up shaking out at the bottom of that chasing pack, but. There, there really haven't been a great deal in it. Um, when I said that it was your stat uh, about the num- number of days we spent in different places, everyone else started putting their hands up and waving furiously. I think it's the old thing that um, success has a thousand fathers, but failure is an orphan. So, um, uh, Jamie, I'll come to you next. Was it was it your stat and what do you it make was, of it? It was not my stat at all. <laughs> so um, Ian's waving at me on the screen saying, absolutely not. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of agree with Reese. I think if you look at like the kind of results that we had throughout the season, yeah, we put in some cracking performances against some of the big teams um, and then allegedly some of the lesser teams, although they're not lesser because it was so even throughout the season. It was so close. You could beat or lose to anyone really. You know? I'm trying to think of some of the, yeah, the terrible, <laughs> terrible defeats that we had um, uh, probably a few more to mention than uh than we care to think about, but um, you know, we, we had some great performances, particularly away from home as well. Um, and 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 I think as well our, our home form in sort of January February time you know beating the likes of Tramir you know we had a great winner against Tramir didn't we um, but then you know we struggled I mean you know we won't dwell over our, our end of season home form too much but I think it is just the nature of that league to this season that it is it was just so so close and I think you know if you look at the the points that were required to go up the points that are required for a playoff spot. Um, I think it's generally always the case. I, I don't know what it is about League Two, but there's just this sort of fluctuation. There's just sort of this coming together of extremely good sides from non-league coming up, and you know, arguably too good for non-league. Um, I think you know you get a lot of calls for like a League Three, don't you? Because there are so many like fantastic. I mean, mostly professional sides in the National League now, and then well, you get I mean, also, you, you see it every year that whichever yeah. sides come up from that league basically always finished yeah. you know, finished mid-table, if not in contention for the playoffs, because I'm sure to someone, get out of yeah. that division, you've got to be so good that then that carries you through in what is often a, t- a league that has quite a lot of average sides in it. And we yeah, I can't, I can't remember the last time a side went straight back down. I'm not sure it's happened in maybe a decade a now. I'm, I'm sure somebody's going to correct me <laughs> with the exceptions to the rule. But, but yeah, I think it's just the nature of the league that shows that all you need really is, is a run of, I don't know, you know, six or seven wins on the bounce. I know it's easier said than done, but you just need a good run of form to propel you up the table. And unfortunately, you know, we we sort of stuttered at maybe just the wrong time of the season. Um, so I I personally don't think 11th is a, you know, it, it probably looks worse than it is on paper, but 11th, it's, it was a good season. Yeah, we, we just missed out on the playoffs ultimately. We, we, had played, re- well. we played really good football as well. I know you mentioned yeah, yeah, it in yeah. previous pods, Ed, that, this is some of the most exciting football we've ever seen over Rodney Parade. And, you know, gone are the days where we were trying to win 1-0 in, in the Flynn era, which was always about don't lose first. You know, we've we've gone out there and had three threes and three twos 
Um, and, you know, that excitement we haven't had for a while. So it was quite enjoyable to watch, despite being nerve shredding at times. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. I mean, I've, I've said before, this was the first year, first season in 10, 15 years that I'd had a season ticket with both my kids for the first time for them. And yeah, all right, we, we ended up finishing mid-table. But I felt myself getting re-enthused and re-energised with County in a way that I hadn't for a while because we were so entertaining to watch, because there were so many proper roller coaster games and because it was a genuine pleasure to head over to watch County on a Saturday afternoon and know that you were going to see something interesting. I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed being a County fan this year. It's been it's been great. Go on, Ian, you've been very patient. I'll, I'll let you go off on one now. No, it's all right. We've got a long time tonight. I mean, I've got plenty of time to... Uh get going um just on the stats thing um no matter who put it up but just we did just for just to, for Reese's point we did spend some time we had 18 days when we were in the automatics so we did we did make it to third place we were there for 18 days uh my my graph was based on match days yeah so yeah yeah we're game I, I in thought hands. that might have been it uh, we're gaming hands because it was all a cluster wasn't it where the gaming hands yeah played into fair, it. Enough, fair enough but it's interesting when you're looking at that Talking about the runs, people want to run together. Oh, I don't really want to mention the gas on this podcast, but they were the ones, they spent pretty much less time in a playoff position and certainly in the top three where they only spent one day, which was the day they got there. They than, spent eight minutes yeah, in the top three. Than, than anyone else. You know, so they, they got the run together. And if you look at a team like Harrogate, who I was amazed at, you know, they had seven days... At the top, they had 42 days in second. They had 18 days in third. They had quite a bit of time, actually, knocking around the playoffs, but they ended up down in, you know, whatever, 18th or, or whatever. So, yeah, the, the gas are the ones who put the run together at the right time, unfortunately, for everybody. But um, Aaron Collins is still up a lamppost. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wasn't that just great, though, to see? <laughs> I mean, regardless of the fact that it's Bristol Rovers and, and all the rest of it, like, just, like, that's what you want to see is a player who cares that much about it and wants to and feels the, the the excitement and the adrenaline as much as the fans do I mean I just think like that is everything that is great about sport and I it really did make me warm a bit more to Bristol Rovers and an awful lot more to Aaron Collins so yeah I thought that was a wonderful moment I can't ever warm to the gas but you know we'll, we'll move on from that but I do think that overall I mean I remember I was uh, the the first game of the season at Oldham, I sat, sat down with my mate Simon, we were having a chat, and, and he said, where do you think we'll finish? And I said, mm, you know, 10th, maybe with an outside chance of the playoff. All right, we finished 11th, but we had much better than an outside chance of the playoff most of the way through that season. You know, we were we were knocking on the door a lot of it, weren't we? And I, and I think that, I think a lot of people are sort of fixating a little bit that we, we didn't end brilliantly. But, but like you've all said, there's loads of positives for me, you know. For starters, we could have completely imploded after Flynn left. That Friday yeah, night at Barrow, definitely. we could have ended up in absolutely in the mire after that, I think. <clears throat> but we didn't. Obviously, I see us more away from home. We'd be brilliant away from home this yeah, season. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. You know, I think uh, well, I can't remember how many games I've been to see, but I think we've only lost twice when I've been to see us, which is unheard of for me. We normally will win two, we'll win two and lose eight or something. So... You know, we've been played really well from away from home. We've played some of the best football I have seen in the 41 years I've been going to see us. Um, we, you know, the pitch is great. Crowds are up. Trust membership is up. The home kit has got black shorts. 
we've got an exciting new world-based manager. Like, what's not to like? It's been, it has been a good season. And I think that if people can just, you know, take a bit of a, you know, have a little bit of perspective away from those, you know, those home games that we lost. I think overall it has been a good season and, and I and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Ian, you mentioned that point, but yeah, we could have imploded when Flinney left. Um, how important were those four games that old Hats was uh, in charge of? Because what was it? it? Was was it two wins and two draws or it was, it was a good good run anyway? I'm just going to... It, it, it was, was a good wins great. draw, wasn't it? Yeah, but it, um, one of the, the wins, like the big win was the one against Scunthorpe, which yeah. at the time I said that comes with a big asterisk because they were absolute dog shit, that team. And, you know, I felt sorry for Oldham, but Scunthorpe in that game, you just thought, well, that is a, that's a side that's going down. There is no way on earth that team has got enough quality to keep it up. Um, but yeah, Hatswell did extremely well. I think he he perhaps had a, a nice set of fixtures to manage, but, you know, yeah, he, he did brilliantly. But if you'd said when Flynn left you will get to the middle of April and still be in the playoff hunt, possibly even the promotion hunt. I mean, you know, it was the, I'm looking at my book here. Um, 9th of April, we went and won at Swindon Town. And it was then the following weekend when we lost at at home to Crawley that I think the wheels started to come off. I think if you'd said to us when Flynn left, you'll get to the 15th of April and still be in the hunt for the automatics, which I think we felt we, we might have been at that point, we'd have absolutely bitten your arm off. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Yeah. And, and I think you, you make a really good point, Jamie, that I think Hats, you know, really steadied the ship there and he? he gave he, he he gave the board, he allowed them that 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 little bit of time for them to make what I think is absolutely been a, a really, really good decision. Then he then he sort of again, I think he helped stay around and help Roby settle in. Um yeah, yeah, yeah that was huge. You know, and I think that's really important as well. And then, obviously, the likelihood he was gonna, he was going to go off and join Flynn, and I, I don't have any issue with that in the slightest. And it allows Robbie to bring his, his bring his people in. So I think that, I think that hats, you know, goes should go with a fantastic, um, thanks from us all, really. You know, for everything he's done at the club, and and I, and I think he handled himself brilliantly. And I think I think that he 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 absolutely was key in that in that that crossover between the regimes. I think he was he was fundamentally key to that. I think it was a month as well. I'm just looking. The Barrow game was 24th of September. Bristol Rovers was the first um, Robra game, I'm pretty sure. I think it was anyway, uh, which is 23rd of October. If it wasn't, it was it was Carlisle at home. But um, I'm pretty sure it was that one. So, you know, it gave the board a month to sort of get Robra in place and get him because uh, obviously we don't know the ins and outs of what actually happened and, and when everyone knew that Flinney was off or anything like that. But it all came a bit of a shock to us, didn't it? So, um, yeah, I mean... Yeah, four games, um, a four-game window is you know, it's just so important actually to sort of just not not just lose all the games or anything like just just sort of, like you say, study the shit. Uh, the other thing about Hatswell taking charge, if I remember rightly, didn't didn't it come out like a Friday or Thursday night, Friday morning that Flynn was leaving? So on one day's notice, Hatswell stepped in and took charge of that first game. And I also think credit to the board as well that they didn't hang around to appoint another manager. You know, they could have dragged it out for. 10 games of you know with Hatswell or run it until the end of the season but you know they they worked out who they wanted quite early and they got the deal done nice and quickly and then they still had Hatswell around like Ian said to ease that transition between the two two regimes. Let's do some of the the positive questions first of all and I'm going to ask you all about either your favourite game and or your moment of the season so, uh, Reese, I'll come to you first. What was your f- either your favourite game or and your moment of the season? I'm going to cheat a bit 
So I really liked the period where Telford and CBR were basically scoring every game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I love the excitement of we could, you know, turning on a game to watch or going to watch a game and just thinking we're going to score today. I don't know when, but at some point we're going to score. And there's that level of excitement that I, I think we've we've missed at times. And in previous seasons, you know, we we go one nil up and we can't kill a game off. Mm. That happened so many times last season. Um, so yeah, I really really like that. But one of my favourite moments was um, when it was Clark scored against Walsall, wasn't it, and taunted their fans yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, after they released him unceremoniously last year. Um, I just love a bit of shit housery like that. So that's that's great. I enjoyed that. Very nice. Uh, mine, I th- my favourite game. I've talked about it before, but the coming back from two 0 down at half time to beat Sutton. 3-2 in a storm was just great you know we, we said in the pod afterwards weirdly as a fan you prefer those games in retrospect than the ones that you win easily 4-0 5-0 it's the the narrative that gets you so that was my favorite game I'm gonna be greedy and also talk about my favorite moment uh which was the that away game at Swindon when we we went there knowing we we had to win uh and I took my youngest for his first ever away game watching county uh and obviously we all know what happened it the sun was out we uh we got that great goal where finazaz scored from an impossible angle and he celebrated right in front of us and just as a moment uh that that will live with me for a long time so those were my favorite bits jamie what were yours weirdly um i i completely agree with you about the you know the last minute winners last minute equalizers yeah we talk about that mad oldham game where we drew three all but it was an incredible weird mad game i think it's the maddest moment of the season that one um because that felt like the last day of the season that felt like it felt there's a bit a lot of desperation there and um yeah we felt like a proper team like we were dom i know they were down to 10 men but we were dominating so that's my maddest game my favorite games though like the harrogate game in january we we trounced them four nil we were by far the superior side we looked fantastic and i think that was probably the maybe probably one of the peak games that we had i think it's started a run of like four on the bounce or something but um it was just in terms of the overall team performance um that's where i sort of probably suddenly realized this is like we've got a proper unit of a squad here this is fantastic um and then again uh, i think we did it again against Tranmere. i think what was that four two or something another entertaining game but again we just looked the better team and yeah i just i just love those games where actually the players who were on the pitch actually took their chance to shine and ran with it and, and and showed what they're actually capable of. You know, they're capable of, like you said, this this side could have maybe played in League One and, and held its own and, and stayed up if they were in League One this season, I'd say. Which is mad to, for a side that finished 11th. It's crazy, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> Ian, you, you've already said you had countless great days out watching County and winning all over the country. So... What was your favourite game or moment or your favourite away day? And I might even allow you to have one of each. Oh, I like that. Well, I guess you've got to remember that every game is an away day for me, even if I come back to Newport. <laughs> well, that's, probably, that's the furthest I travel. So I would, I will, I'd give, um, I'd give a shout out to that, um, that Oldham game at home, which was absolutely bonkers. Got to meet you, Ed. It was an absolute storm of a game. It had the, um, I remember talking about, um, Norman's Cruyff turn. It had it had Mickey Dolan, Mickey Dolan as um, Jan Mulby. It had you know it had everything that game to me. It was absolutely brilliant. It just missed that last minute winner, but yeah, that, that was that was great. But um, 
I think for me, and I'll, I'll come, I'll come back to the, t- the two games away games. I really enjoyed. I think being brilliant for different reasons. Oldham again, first game of the season. I think we forget, you know, how long had it been before any of the we, we'd missed so much football. None of us had been to a game for ages. Do you know what I mean? Or, you know, it was like however many days it was, but it was a long time, wasn't it? So to to actually be going to a physically going to a game, you sort of forget, you know. And, it, and even now, maybe people are not forgetting forgetting now that actually we didn't go for ages. Yeah, and and it was amazing to sort of. So after the routine, I met you know met my mate Si, went to the Magic Rock Brewery in Huddersfield, had a beer, chatted about the sort of season, what it's going to look like, and you know we were all our new players because we had like you know how many millions we had come in and no one knew who they were, and yeah, we you know, thought Christopher Misselu was going to be the, the Christopher Misselu, you know, <laughs> Tristan Abraham, John John Greenwich, whatever, you know, and yeah, all these so, players, uh, yeah. yeah, you know, and all these players that. Um, you know, we were we were looking forward to seeing and wondering what they would be like. So, we had to kiss a lot of frogs before we found exactly, out. Exactly, I think it's fair. Exactly. To say. So that that was a great day, and, and you know, um, Kevin Ellison, you know, came on and scored an absolutely brilliant, crafty, clever winner that day, um, just to show that you know what he's got and what he's had all over the years. So that that was fabulous. And the other one for me was the Friday night up at Hartlepool, which was. Um, that's the sort of game that I've been to innumerable times over the years, and we lose always. And, and we'd done it at Barrow not that long before that on another Friday night, which cost, you know, when Flinney walked out, where we started well, we looked good, we quieted the crowd, we played well, we take the lead, then they equalised, and then we collapsed. You know, I, I've seen that happen so often. But at Hartlepool, first of all, it was an absolute credit of a game for League Two football. Anybody who watched that game, you had two sides, both trying to win. Both playing good football, they, they got a, they had a really big vociferous crowd in for Friday night to watch us. Goodness somebody knows why, um, and it was brilliant, you know. And and, and again, we, we you know, CBR scored a great goal from from the corner. Then we had to soak up a lot of pressure. Hartley pull it good, equalised. Oh, here we go again. Ellison, that man again, came on, changed the game, roughed it up a bit, got the got the crowd really annoyed, and you know we snuck a lot. You know we snuck an injury time winning with Telford. You know it was. Um, yeah, I've seen us lose that so often. So that that for me was probably the one of the one of the real highlights for me because you don't think sometimes those Friday night games you think you know they always have you know that that joke in there can they do it a wet Wednesday night in Stoke? But I think when you go down to League Two, some of those Friday night games I've been to this year that they're, they're real testers, aren't they? For can you go up there and 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 keep yourself together? And that was also a sign for me that Robry, you know, that side was playing for him. He was he, he was changing the way we were working, changing the way we were playing. You could see that from the earlier games that we'd won, say, at Tramway and Oldham. The, the, the style of play was different. It was it was more on the front foot, even though it was possession-based. But, you know, to go there and stick to your principles and, and win that, I thought was a, real, a really positive sign. So another fantastic game that we had as well was um, the draw with Forest Green at home. We yeah. scored an early goal. Bearing in mind, Forest Green were running away with the league at that point. We scored an early goal. We came under a bit of pressure. But we had, first half, we could have been 3-0 up. And then we kept having chances in the second half. Even though we were under pressure, we were having these counter-attacks and just couldn't quite get that second. And they scored their inevitable equaliser. Is that the one like where Clark got sent off for two bookings? Yeah, yeah. two daft bookings. Um, I, was, I was furious at him after that because they were both, yeah, really... They were basically poor identical, decision. weren't they? Yeah, they're just, just poor decisions and you'd expect um, an experienced player like that to know better. Yeah, but bearing in mind they were the eventual champions and at the time they were they were running away with the league. Um, you know, we really gave them a game and that could have 
we could have easily have won that. It could have ended 3-3. It could have ended 3-0 to either side, probably, with the amount of chances they had. And we had as well. They had a lot of possession without creating a lot. But and we had some real guilt-edged chances. And it was a fantastic game. And we had a big crowd in there because it was a postponement from Boxing Day, I think. So we had a big crowd on, under the lights. And it was a really exciting game to, to be at. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, I yeah. think I remember Ed saying it was like a cup game. It was like a yeah. cup game from like a yeah, team from a like a league above or something. And yeah, we just put on a show like you know, like we've done against like Spurs we had all and- that was the game we had all the pyrotechnics around the edge of the pitch as <laughs> yeah, well. And that's right, yeah. Zombie Nathan say, and like, all the couple- flashing floodlights. It was great. Yeah, I mean talk you know, we talked about some of the positives from this season. I think I mean, you know, famously I'm a grumpy old man about a lot of stuff, you know, goal music and things, but even I will take my hat off and say, I think the club has done the Friday night football thing really well. The pyrotechnics, the light shows, you know, um, playing high ho Newport County four games, which I know not all of us like. Some people are a bit iffy on it, but actually I think that's fine. You know, everyone, it gets everyone up off their feet and, and warming up to sing during the game. I think all of that stuff has been great. And those evening games that I've gone to and taken the kids to, like it's made a real impact. The, the, the pity has been that I think for the majority of those games, we've ended up playing really badly and losing. And so all those people who've come along aren't necessarily going to rush back. But I think the way we've tried to find ways to generate an atmosphere it has been rewarded by some big crowds and I really hope we can keep that going. I mean, we were getting like 5,000 through the gates for those games right at the end of the season, which is, uh, you know, you don't have to go back very far. You know, you're going back like 15 years to when we're getting 800,000 people at Spitty Park. So to go from getting those numbers to getting 5,000 now on a semi-regular basis, I think is is fantastic. Right, we've done the good news. Can we talk about our worst moment uh, or when we thought, when we realised that the game was up for our promotion hopes. So, uh, Ian, uh, he who was last shall be first. I'm going to come to you. Well, worst game for me definitely it was so bad. It was comic. Was Salford away? Um, you, you were in um, therapy for that for several months afterwards. I, 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 I it was <laughs> one of those games where you're turning up. And you're thinking, I could get a game here. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's been like 25 years or whatever it is since I bought a pair of boots. Like, no, they were absolutely... It was just incredible. You know, you, I'd seen us being playing really well. And we were just we were just so beyond belief. It looked like they'd never played together before. But will it all be on the razzle the night before? Whether they all had COVID? I don't know what was going on, but they were shockingly bad that day. Um, however... One of the one of the rare spotted sights that day was Christopher Misselu, who either came on and then was subbed off. He, he smashed an amazing volley against the against the bar. Um, so that was that was his entire career all over in about ten minutes. It was an amazing shot. Didn't see him again. Um, yeah, it was awful, absolutely awful. Um, so that that's definitely definitely the worst for me. Um, I mean, I, you know, don't want to touch him. There's there's been some poor crowd behaviour hasn't as well at different times both at our places and, and way you know which I can't I just can't be doing with it and when did when did the wheels come off for me I mean as you know we were guy have we not gone up I still think we're up aren't we we're not in the <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. if only we'd stuck to your formula it exactly. <laughs> they just didn't listen it just didn't listen to me but I I think I think unfortunately um the one for me was I was still had hope until we lost at Sutton I still thought we were going to make it but that that was the final nail for me because you know we had 
a lot of possession that day, but we were, as my mate who I met down there said, we were completely shot sharp. We just did, we just didn't create enough. Um, you just felt that we were running out of steam uh, at that point. We were really missing, you know, your Cooper and your Kane and everyone. And we just, we were just running out of steam and just thought, we're not going to do it now. That was the one for me. Up until that point, I was positive all the way. But then you knew it after that one. Yeah, I think a few games before that, I think I was starting to worry about where the goals were coming from. You know, um, yeah, I think that was the Easter Monday, wasn't it? And then we lost to Crawley the Friday before. Yeah, we beat Swindon, but then we lost to Exeter. We'd drawn with Bradford. Like, and all of those that, you know, that I think we scored like two goals in that five game period. And I think that, yeah, when once once Telford stopped scoring, um, which is, I don't know, you, you can't blame it all on him. You know, other people have to score as well. But I think he, his like end of season form was like one goal in his last 13 or something. Um, yeah, I think when, maybe when he got a bit found out or people knew how to sort of play against us a little bit, they'd sort of figure out the magic formula. That's when I felt like really, yeah, we we, we didn't have a... I think we did have a plan B, but it wasn't quite working in terms of getting the ball in the back of the net. So, yeah, for me, yeah, I'd, I'd agree some, but probably a couple of weeks before that is really when I started, like, panicking. And, and, yet, and yet, you know, just after that, we swanned up to Port Vale, played them off the pitch. Yeah, beautiful that, stuff. That's, that's the frustration, isn't it? That's the, yeah. That showed what we can do, you know, and that's the frustration. Reese. Yeah, I think Crawley was when... We knew, well, I thought that it's not happening just based on the performance. And after Crawley, I think we needed to be basically perfect for the rest of the games to uh, certainly for automatics. And then, you know, it still was going to be tight with the playoffs. And Crawley was crying out for it because that was Good Friday, wasn't it? Beautiful hot day. A lot of people have been in the pub since opening time. Huge crowd. Everyone was in a positive frame of mind getting behind them. You know, the wind was behind us and we just, yeah, like you say, didn't show up. Yeah, the um, the Hartlepool game was pretty disappointing as well. That we we had that four two against Tranmere. We drew against Forest Green. We beat the Gas. We beat Stevenage away. We beat Carlisle away. And this was all in the space of a week, wasn't it? We had Stevenage on the Saturday, Carlisle on the Tuesday, and then Hartlepool on the Friday. And we were bang on. In fact, we were above the street formula at that point, and we just needed to beat Hartlepool. And um, we just we were so flat. We just didn't didn't put in a performance at all is it um, hard to is it hard to like keep up like the kind of play that we've been playing all year though maybe maybe just literally ran out of steam that, I that's don't know. where well, i felt it we went wrong is just you know it, it wasn't a criticism of anyone it's just that we had a very intensive run of games and we had a lot of very tired legs and lots of inexperienced so, players and stuff yeah i i completely agree and i think a possible turning point is when we lost wilmot and then Cooper was injured and then Kane was injured and then Cooper and Kane kind of alternated being injured or whether they were never really fully fit. And that's when our performances started to drop that either we weren't able to give people the rest they needed or they were coming back because we needed them when they weren't fully fit. Like Cooper against Rochdale didn't look like the Cooper we saw earlier in the season. Also CBR going down injured, you know, that's when Telford stopped scoring. Ian Street could have done a better job than Rob Street in that Rochdale game. And I think we said as much, some of those chances you could have scored with your slippers on. And as much as he, he did output a lot of effort, he liked the physical side of the game. I think he lacked a bit of quality and you've got to, 
got to score goals, haven't you? And some of those chances, you're not going to succeed as a striker if am you. I, uh, am I right in thinking that Newport County was his first loan spell away from Palace? I mean, he strikes me as the sort of player who might learn an awful lot from that experience and might go on loan somewhere next season and actually do really well. It's just that sometimes that first loan spell can be a tricky one. Yeah, quite possibly. He's got all the physical tools he needs and he you know, he puts the effort in, I think, maybe just a bit more composure in front of goal and, you know, in a couple of years' time he could be a real quality player. Um but I think we did miss C B R when he went down and that, that was a big part of the the change in fortunes for Telford. Yeah, you, just, you both made a really good point there, which has got me thinking. If you look at like the kind of strikers we've had on loan in recent years, you look at McCurdy, you look at Mark Harris, both of those have like now, now they've got a few more years under their belt. Yeah, Mark Harris Aaron played. Collins. Aaron Collins, yeah. there you go. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't think Aaron Collins would be, you know, tearing up the way he has been this season, but now he's got a bit more experience and he's, he's you know, starting regular football. Harry McCurdy as well, when he he was a bit of a headless chicken, I think, when he was with us, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, it, but he was again, no Scrimshaw. Well, I'm just <laughs> waiting for Scrimshaw to get a Premier League deal now so, um, to prove myself right. My worst moment was Carlisle away because I've been wanting to go to Carlisle away for about three seasons. And finally this year... I booked the time off work, I booked the hotel, I got the ticket, and then the day before I got COVID. Um, and so I had to give my ticket away to someone I was listening in. And of course, we went and won. And it would have been a perfect one to have gone to, to say, yeah, I was one of the mad bastards who drove up to Carlisle on a Tuesday night. And you know what? We won and it was great. Um, and I missed it. And I will probably go there next season, but we'll we'll lose and it'll rain and it'll be rubbish. And I will uh, forever regret not, going, not being able to go up uh, the year that we went to Carlisle and won. Should we get back onto some positive stuff? Uh, shall we yes, talk? Please. Shall we talk about our player of the season and our signing of the season for each of us? Who wants to go first? I can go first. Go on. Uh, player of the season for me. Um, I'm going to go, Mr. Calm Norman. I think. Yeah, I don't know if anyone else is going to pick him, but I think he was probably a little bit underrated. Maybe not by us, but I think by a lot of people. I think people maybe seeing like the what what the midfield was doing, what Telford was doing up top, and then even CBR was getting, you know, the plaudits eventually. Um but Cam Norman, like just pretty much an ever present. He was I don't think he ever sort of got properly dropped from the team for, for in terms of form. Um I remember I mean remember him filling in a centre half yeah, um, yeah. for a game right? and just looks like the absolute business. Um, Massive shithouse as well, which we, yeah. we love on the pod. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we I think we've been missing Every that team this needs season. One. Yeah. Yeah. We I mean we lost out on um on, on Laverty leaving us and uh yeah I think we needed somebody else with a bit of bite, didn't we? But yeah, he was just he was integral to a lot of try I think that I mean the most recent one, probably the Port Vale, I think the first goal Port Vale, he was integral to the way that we played here, I think a lovely ball down the line. And then it was a great finish as well from Haynes. Um, but yeah, for, for me, Cam Norman, um, my player of the season. I can't tell you how much he winds up the opposition fans when we were away from home as well. But he's going up and down the right way. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, he draws them nuts. However, I will say that I reckon that like Bradford was a classic example. It was a Stonewall penalty when he went into the area but I think the fact that he does go the ground quite often when he's touched and winds up the crowd so much, I think potentially costs us a penalty there, you know, because I think the ref's going, oh, he's always going over. 
you know, he gets a lot of free kicks. He was the most foul player, wasn't he, in um, League Two, I mm, think. This, yeah, this, yeah. Um, Is it over to a game? Some, yeah, <laughs> he, right um, yeah, he winds them up some some rotten, which is quite funny. Um, so, yeah, it's a good shout. He was, he was definitely on my list. Um, but, yeah. Who am I going to go for? If I, I might as well, I've got the mic. I might as well talk. Um, well, I'd like to go. For, I'd like to go for Dolan just to wind up all the people who who, who say he's rubbish. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I love him, but I'm not going to go for Dolan. <laughs> but um, I, I would give it to. Um, I mean, Azaz is the obvious one or Telford, but I, I'm going to go for. I am actually going to go for the onion and the curry. Uh, I don't. I don't think we need one. But I'm going to go for Scott Bennett actually, um, who. I think, despite the fact that he, there are times where he infuriates the hell out of me by having an inability to pass the ball five yards or making a really, really odd mistake when there's no pressure on him, um, which I see him do quite often, he does. He is that player who just consistently gives his all. We know, we know what you're going to get with him on the pitch. And I also think he has improved this season. I think he's a better player this season. I think he's got better under Robley as well. And I think that's a really positive sign that... You know, he's a player who's been there and done it, but he's still willing to work. He's still willing to listen to the new manager. Is you know, he's still willing. Uh, his linkages to play the way he, the way he organize, tries to organize the press. I think he's, I think he's been really good this season. So um, he's often probably had the armband on him more than more than um, Matty probably to, over the season as well. So I think that he has led from the front and, and done a done a cracking job of being a great servant. So I I I give it to um, Scott Bennett, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I kind of agree with you um on the way that he's improved this year. If you think in recent years, like he was part of the back three for a while. He was like and and after him yeah, having that that time in defence, you think can he then make it back into central midfield? Can he still do a job there? And he's shown time and time again that he can. Um, you know, the particularly the way he sort of stepped in um, in that role, particularly when uh, Wilmot wasn't uh, playing when he was injured as well, you think, oh, we're going to really miss Wilmot. But actually, yeah, Bennett did step up a little bit for us. Yeah, I, I completely agree that Bennett's had a fantastic season. He played really well last year, actually, as well. I think he just seems to keep getting better year on year for us. Um, and I remember early in the season, Ian, it might have been after the Salford game, that we just seemed to be struggling to find the balance in midfield. And we brought Bennett in at the base of that diamond sort of that we play or four two 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 um at the base of that and when he came in it suddenly just kind of steadied everything and you know it made a real big difference I think and I think it might have been Chris Kerwine said that he enables everyone around him to get sevens and eights by just yeah. consistently giving you that level. Um there's a few players who I think need an honourable mention as well. There's the Robbie Wilmot Renaissance, him transforming <laughs> it into Joshi and reincarnated in our midfield. His you know, this has probably been his best season when it looked like he was out the door um, last year that, you know, they've moved in, into this midfield role. And in some games, he was the only player who could play a really incisive pass through the lines. And it was fantastic to watch. He's still prone to his odd error, but I think everyone in League Two is. Um, and also give an honourable mention to Dimitriou, who just is so consistent. Just... Yeah, game in, yeah. game out, you know what you're getting from him. Um, but I'm because no one else has given it to uh, Finazaz, I'm going to give it to Finazaz because it's exciting. He's one of those players that he gets the ball and you kind of shuffle towards the front of your seat, don't you? Because what's he going to do with it? Because you always know he's going to drive forward and 
he had a spell where he couldn't shoot and then all of a sudden yeah. he started scoring goals and you were like what a player this is and it was really exciting to see and I wouldn't be surprised if he was at League One or a championship side on loan next season. But you've all made your nominations and uh, 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 am I missing something? Am I going mad? We've spent like three seasons on this podcast saying, when are we going to sign a 25 goal a season striker? And we've signed one this year and no one's bloody mentioned it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to talk about Tom Telford, um, who again, I suspect will be playing at a higher level uh, next season. But um I mean, yes, of course, Norman has been uh, great value and a, a proper shit out, and Finazaz and Ollie Cooper as well in midfield have both been scintillating to watch at times. And yeah, Bennett and Dimitriou for their consistency. But there was that protracted spell when we were going to games knowing that Telford was going to score and CBR was probably going to score. And it, I mean, what a time to be alive, going along and knowing that Newport County were going to probably score two, three goals in a game. Um, and for that third of the season when Telford was just unplayable, because yeah, the number of games where you go along and for the first 20 minutes, you'd see teams double marking Telford and not giving him any space on the ball. And yet it took half a second and suddenly, oh, he's found some space and he scored. And um, the awareness and the work rate to do that, I thought was um, superb. And I'm going to give an honourable mention to CBR because when we talk about work rate, and I know if Martin was here, he'd be talk- he'd be um, flagging this. It was the work rate of CBR that allowed Telford to get the goals that he got. Some games and, he was winning headers in his own box, then yeah. sprinting 70 yards to join the attack. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, he got some criticism off some of the um, more numpty element of the fan base for not kind of getting enough goals. But if you look at the work he did... Oh yeah, it's like you were saying earlier. Bennett consistently being a seven or an eight, seven or an eight out of ten allowed the players around him to get a nine or a ten. Same with CBR. You know him doing a lot of the donkey work allowed Telford to do what he did. So um, yeah, uh, we we talked I think previously about how the three midfielders are going to be a big loss. Telford will go and will be a big loss. I suspect CBR will go. There's a there's a lot of players who are going to need replacing there. But to have had the season that we've had with those players, um, I thought was was great. And um, yeah, I think it's going to be a good few years before we see anyone in an amber shirt score as many goals as Telford got. So um, yeah, I think we should take a moment to reflect on it. Yeah, fair play to fair play to Telford. Um, yeah, you're right. I think his you're right. His movement. I, everyone just assumes he's this little poacher in the box. And um, but to be a poacher, you have to have the movement. You have to be in the right place at the right time. And it's easier said than done. And yeah, like you say, he showed that he can just sort of slip into like this just sort of pocket of space. Weirdly, you know, by the penalty box or even in the six yard box, um, and just somehow just get in the way and 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 be a nuisance and then get those. It's how goals, quick you, know. you can get a shot off as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, first or second so many touch. times he would um, kind of just get the ball on the edge of the box and just quickly shift it and with hardly any backlift, just hit it. And he hits the target, which so many of our strikers just don't do. <laughs> um, and it's, yeah, absolutely phenomenal performance from him. And I think you're right, Ed, that he'll be probably playing his trade at a higher level. And I have a theory on this. When we get into transfers, I have a, a suspicion. I'll do it now. We're on it. Let's, let's uh, do it. Go on then. With Stevens being out for Forest Green, probably for the next year um, with his ACL injury. I think Telford might be a good replacement to go and play next to County Old Boy Jamil Matt at Forest Green in League One next year. Yeah, well, you heard it here first. We're going to do two more bits of business uh, under the heading of season review, and then um, 
we'll we'll start talking about players in a bit more depth and the the retained list and the release list. So, um, Ian, you sent a message around the other day saying, "Is this going to be the summer that we spend worrying about the World Rugby Union and the Dragons and our future at Rodney Parade because our agreement to play there uh, is still to due to run out soon, right? And there's all this chatter about whether the um, regional rugby in Wales will go down from four teams to three, although I think that's now been decided against. But, you know, there is that kind of long-term question mark. So what do you think? I'll come to you first, Ian. I mean, I don't want to spend my summer worrying about what's happening with the Dragons and the WRU. But, um, and, and I haven't seen that that's been put to bed. That If it has been, that's that's great. But I do think that, obviously, we did a, you know, we did a couple of pods this, this year where we talked about ownership and we we... we talked about the ground and we talked about various things around around this off the park stuff which as you know i'm not really interested in the the fillings in the sausage um but uh, you know i think it's next year i think we've only got one more year on the lease some way yeah uh, so you know there is there is some question marks there that what happens then you know um and i don't know what the answer to that is but it would be great if that could be put i'd rather that be put to bed sooner right up before we sign players to be honest with you because because without without being there we haven't got a the club is going to struggle isn't it you know what what is the alternatives you know what are we thinking about in terms of i don't mean us but i mean you know as, as newport what are we thinking about in terms of the ownership model you know are people getting together to talk about some of the stuff we talked about you know can us the dragons and the council get that ground so it's 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 it belongs to newport rather than being belonging to the wiu you know what what is the future there because it does it does worry me that that you know we are not only beholden to the dragons we're beholden to the wiu to a certain extent isn't it if they decide to get rid of that ground we're stuffed aren't we um so that 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 does worry me when we've got a we've talked about a lot of the positives in the way the club is going and there are a tremendous amount of positives but we could be we could be scuppered by some off the field shenanigans the sausage filling could come leaking out of the case all over the place. So that's not what we want. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's exactly right. And um, we do need some news on it. I mean, whenever the board have been asked about it, they've made positive noises and suggested that discussions are going in the right direction. But you can feel that big clock ticking away in the background. So, um, yeah, I mean, that is clearly the one to watch. Go on, Jamie. Are you gonna I'm not worried. I'm not worried. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that... <sighs> Putting a bit of faith in the board, I think probably these discussions take so long and they're so protracted. There are so many sort of moving parts going with them. Um, I think they also know, and I think all parties know that, yeah, if if Newport County are not able to play at Rodney Parade, then there's no real viable alternative. There's not a great alternative for you know, a football league club. Um, so I, I just can't see anyone letting that happen. You know, I, I, you know we can't really afford to maybe go and play in, you know, we played in Cardiff for a bit last year, didn't we? We can't afford to go and show with Cardiff. We can't afford to, um, you know, do up uh, Spitty to make it a League 2 uh, grand. So, yeah, that's why, that's the reason I'm not worried. More of a hunch than anything else that everyone in charge kind of wants to do the right thing. We're, we're the only part of the WRU that makes money at the moment. So the rugby teams just get money given to them by the WRU. They make a loss. So our tenancy is probably one of the few ways outside of the international calendar that the WRU actually gets any money in. Um, so it may be in their interest to keep us on as as tenants. 
um, you know, they just they get money for nothing, essentially, for just allowing us to use the stadium. They'd get a lot more money if they sold the ground. But that's only one off, isn't it? I've seen a lot of people talking on the message board saying, oh, you couldn't possibly develop that site. Access is difficult, blah, blah, blah. You know, you can house builders and house developers will find a way somehow to build on any plot of land you give them. And it's a big old plot. So I have no doubt that if someone wanted to build a housing estate on there, that they would find a way to make that happen, you know, regardless of any issues around drainage or access, you know, it's big enough to be able to do it. I think while we have a tenancy agreement, it's very difficult legally to get to get rid of us. And I think it's probably like Jamie said, it's in all parties' interests to to keep us there. I don't think we can afford our own stadium. So me and my dad mentioned it the other day. And about 10 years ago, someone said it's about a million pound for every thousand seats you want in a stadium. And this was 10 years ago. So you can probably add 50% on that. So if we want an 8,000 seat stadium, we need 8 million pound to be able to buy the land and all that nonsense. I can't see us unless someone, well, someone's already won the lottery and he didn't buy us a stadium. (laughs) So where are we going to find 8 million pound from? How much can we sell Cam Norman for? (laughs) (laughs) If we've only got one year left of the lease, what happens there? Hopefully a new lease is signed and we're safe and all that sort of stuff. But I'm just hoping that people are, as you say, Jamie, that they're they're going through the machinations and they're looking at the what-if scenarios because that's what we're talking about here. And what if this happens? we you want you want all the business heads together to be looking at scenario planning both for the positive because for me when we talk about redevelopment of rodney parade i'm actually not thinking of houses on it you know what i'd like to see that ground redeveloped as a better sporting stadium you know with with better revenue streams which again if we owned it or part or owned it with the council and the rugby club, for example, we could we could actually start making money out of it because without until we've got that, I can't see how we can thrive at a higher level than we currently are. You know, you could be building, you know, you could have a hotel behind that, behind the open terrace. You could have, there's all sorts of stuff you could do there that we're a bit we're a bit stymied, aren't we? As the tenants, there's not much without much say in that. So there's lots of elements about about this that, that intrigue me a little bit in terms of what we could do if that was our ground or a part ownership of that ground. What do we do if we're only going to be tenants? What do we do if we're not going to be at that ground? You know, there's, there's, there's a whole gamut of things there that we can't solve here. But I do I do hope that the, the Brains Trust are thinking about them and are looking at what those options are and are trying to put some plans together for any eventuality in the same way we'd, we would do if we're going to lose a golden boot striker. I mean, for me, there's yeah the short-term challenge is make sure we get another 10-year lease so that we've got a bit of breathing space. But then I think you're you're absolutely right that we need to look at, you know, the way AFC Wimbledon did a kind of um, bond issue uh, to make sure that they could borrow the money at cheaper than market rate, but um, to get either fans or people who, um, you know, wanted to kind of buy into that to allow them to then build what is a, a quite a neat, tidy new ground you know and in our case to to raise money to potentially you know look to to take on a share of Rodney Parade that feels like a better way to go and to remain fan owned than to potentially allow um other interests to come in who who may not have the best interest of the club at heart um that quite neatly brings me on and that that wasn't a deliberate segue but I'm going to take it on to talking about which game next season away game next season we're most looking forward to of the new teams that are going to be in our 
division because uh, coming down from uh, third division, we've got Wimbledon, Gillingham, Crewe and Doncaster. And then coming up from the conference, we've had Stockport now confirmed. And obviously we're waiting to see uh, who makes it through the playoffs. So which of those grounds are we excited about? Jamie, you were first out the blocks. Well, you mentioned Wimbledon. For me, Wimbledon. Um, <laughs> it's it's going to be awesome. Yeah, new ground and uh, lovely London away for me. Um, yeah, I yeah I can't wait to get down there. To be honest, I also kind of want to do Gillingham as well. Um, I I can't remember in the, the way that you've got to wear like a hard hat and high vis to be allowed out into right. Oh really? I've I've never been. Never been oh, to it's, the, um, it's basically pre- like scaffolding. Is it? Yeah, really. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm just keen to go down there. I've just um, I went to uni down in Kent, and I, I for some reason never went to a Gillingham game. Um, probably for yeah very good reasons. Um, and yeah, I can't remember the last time we were in the same division as them. We had them in the so... cup, um, in the league cup with uh, I think under Flynn, season before last. And as I recall, he said, "Don't bother coming to this one because we're going to stick the reserves out." Yeah, and he did, and we it. lost. Yeah. So, <laughs> I remember um, that. Now. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, yeah, well, so those two for me. Good stuff. We've got uh, got a few um, connections with Gillingham. We with um, Justin Edinburgh went there. Um, Burn went there. Ryan Jackson's just been released. He was there quite a while. So, yeah, there's a bit of a connection there. It's just a shame if Swindon go up, I think. That's going to be... Yeah, we've got closest, nowhere nearby then, have we? Our closest home game will be... Uh, away game, sorry, will be Walsall then. It's mm. mad, isn't um, it? Yeah, we've lost a lot, haven't we, in terms of the Forest Green, Bristol Rovers, Exeter. Yeah. Essentially Swindon. Yeah. But lots of nice northern clubs, so makes life easy for you, Ian. As someone has said in the in a rose ad, I'm sick and tired of this. This needs to be this needs to be like re- labelled League Two North. So yeah, there's a yeah. So I got Donny Rovers. That's just down the road. Um, so that'll be an easy one. Um, I I've been at Gillingham, but like like in the 80s. So like as long things have changed since then. I've done Crew. I've never done Wimbledon. So for out of all the ones, Wimbledon will be the one I'm looking forward to going down to. I think because I, I really I, fancy I, Stockport. Stockport like is Wimbledon, the one that. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a direct train ride. The ground is near the station, and mm-hmm. you know I think that'll be a, a good day out. So yeah, Stockport is the one that I've uh, I'll be penciling in when fixtures yeah. come out. I've got, I've got, I've been, I think we'll I think I was last day on a Tuesday evening game. I think we lost four or four or five one. I think so. Mm-hmm. I don't have happy memories, but yeah, I'll probably be at that. And no one said it yet, so I'm gonna. Put no, it there you're not gonna say it. No. You're not gonna say no. it. No. I hope Wrexham don't come up. I hope they fuck it up in the playoffs. Yeah, anyone, anyone but them. Oh, but you know, you got to think about the narrative arc of their Hollywood movie. You know, what? Why aren't we all more sympathetic to them? You know, they're the they're the the Hollywood underdogs. I think the reason we're not more sympathetic is because they've been moaning about the fact that the playoff final is the same day as the Wales oh, yeah, World yeah, Cup yeah. playoff game. It's like, oh, I can't believe you do. You wouldn't do this for an English club. It's like, you haven't made the final yet. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's how many point. how many players have they got in the Wales squad as well? How many are they going to be missing to the Wales squad? You mean the, and you mean this underdog story for the club that's like broke the like the transfer the non league transfer record? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, oh, oh. they said they're going to quadruple the money as well if they come up. So I hope they don't come up. I hope they just bung all their money up the wall for the next ten years, get bored, and then go out of business. At one point, it felt as though. Uh, Nation.Cymru were writing three articles a day about Wrexham's famous owners, which um, did... They didn't like you pointing it out, did they? No, I mean, I can't remember (laughs) the last time that they wrote an article about Gavin Foxall and, you know, the great job he's doing as chairman of Newport County. You can get get Jack to write that article for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get him on the case. Right. (laughs) Well, so ends uh, part one 
of the season uh, review pod. Part two will be with you very, very soon. But in the meantime, as always, keep it counting. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.